It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the basketball fanatics. I got Dan Rivera in the house. You guys can find him at DanRivera228. And I got Jay Smoove as well, live and direct from Las Vegas. You guys can find him at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. College basketball, NBA Thursday. Going to preview one college basketball game with Dan Rivera, one NBA game with Smoove. Let's start out with college basketball. Dan, we have a line here. Weber State, they're going to be minus one. They're going to be on the road at Montana. We have a total right now set at 137 and a half. You have a pick in this game. What are you thinking? Give me Weber State, minus one, minus one and a half. Just anything under possession, depending on when you guys can get this line. Montana is a team last year who finished 18 and 13, but they were 14 and 6 in conference. This year they are 8 and 9, but only 4 and 6 in conference. But Sleepy, three of those wins are from D2 or lower competition. This Montana team has taken a step back from last year. And actually, this is their first home game since January 16th. So this has been about a month since they played at home. Montana at home since 2019. They're 8-9 against the spread, but in 2020, they're 0-4, failing to cover by 7-2 points per game, and they're 2-8 overall in conference games this year. If you look at the stats, Montana has some good stats, but their best win was a two-point win at home over number 228, Northern Colorado, and they also have some bad losses teams ranked 200 territory or higher. Weber State is currently 163 and probably the best or second-best team in the Big Sky Conference. Montana defensively is above average in most categories, while Weber State is elite in most offensive categories. But my issue with this Montana team is their offense, who's mostly below average into the 200 or bad territory, while Weber State is pretty good or average in most defensive categories. My concern for this game is Montana is somewhat decent shooting from three. They're number 62 in the nation, while Weber State is number 222 at defending three. And Weber State plays a very fast pace, while Montana plays a super slow, a super slow in the terms of a bottom 10 to 20 tiering in terms of pace. And I know these teams generally struggle who play very fast against these very slow teams. But lastly, Montana is a young team, and I think this is why they're struggling this year. They're ranked number 329 on Kempom in terms of experience, while this Weber State team is number 67. I think these Montana players are just too young. And I think going back home for the first time in a month is going to be a bit of a shell shock to their system in terms of the shooting in the court. I know that these teams usually do well at home, but I just think they're going to struggle at home for the first time in a month. I think Weber State wins probably by about five to eight points. And I think Weber State wins about 72-63. And actually, Sleepy and Smooth, I want your opinion on the fact that this team in Montana hasn't played at home in a month. Do you agree with me in the sense you think they will struggle just because they haven't played there in so long, or do you think it's just all hogwash? I think that when you have a team that hasn't played at home, you know, in quite some time, that there will be some motivation and excitement for them, you know, to go ahead and and play there. I mean, if you, you know, if you're away from your family or away from your friends or, you know, the, the confines of everything that you're comfortable with, you know, for a long period of time, yeah, it sucks. But when you get back home, you know, if there, if, if, I understand maybe if they just, you know, wrapped up a game like, you know, maybe like not yesterday, but the day before, and it was just like this long, grueling stretch where, you know, you have to come back and, 
you know, you kind of got to like tie things together and get everything straightened out and you go right into a game. Well, maybe that would be, you know, kind of a tough situation. But there, if there was even, you know, a two or three day break from when they returned back home, then I would consider that being a, a pretty good motivational spot, um, you know, for, for the home team in Montana. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially in the NBA, typically when a, a team is on a, a long road trip, more than a week or so, uh, and they come back to their first home game, they're, you know, motivated to get back on their home court and have to take care of some, you know, life situation stuff because, you know, they're human too. But, um, yeah, they should be, you know, motivated to to get back and play. And it might take them a, a little while to get back in rhythm, but I think it's a good spot. I agree with you, Dan. That's what I was thinking too. I just think they're going to struggle probably in the first half, and I really think this Weber State team probably comes out anywhere from five to ten points up in the first half. And I think we see a somewhat competitive second half, but I think Weber State still gets the job done. Now, in the big sky, like the Summit and Horizon League, a lot of these teams are playing back-to-back. So I think the best approach here is to take Weber State game one, and I think I'd be looking to Montana game two when they're at home for the second game and they're back to their rhythm at home. Damn, how do you feel about like these back-to-backs? Are you... You know, are you liking that the way that the that the setup is? Like, is it is it easier for you to handicap these games? Because I'll be honest with you, you know, with the with the conferences that are playing, you know, back to back games, it's just something that I haven't really focused on. I really haven't looked into them. And I know that you know that you've been digging into the horizon and the summit and the big sky and conferences like that. And there have been back to backs with a lot of those conferences. Like, what have you noticed? Uh, what have you been able to dig up? You know, that at least you know maybe it's something that that we could look at. A lot of what has gone on in college basketball probably over the last month or two isn't really going to come into shape probably for like another week or two. Like that's when the markets are going to catch up. That's when the bookies are going to catch up. And we probably have a little bit of a window right now, especially in, you know, like the horizons are going to end here in another week or so. And you still have, you know, another two weeks left of the big sky. But is there anything that you've noticed with these back-to-backs that we can probably go in and uh, maybe take advantage of for the, the last week or two of these these team seasons? Yeah, Sleepy, there are several things I've noticed. So the big sky so far this year, they've had a couple of goofy weeks or games in the sense where they'll play the same team back-to-back games. But one game's home and the other game's away. So I don't understand why the big sky is doing that. But for the Horizon and Summit League, there are several things I've noticed with them. You can really, really attack these books in certain markets, like the team total markets or the point total markets, in the sense that if a team has a just bad, and I'm talking just in a bad shooting night, that next game, these books overreact, and you'll see these teams over overshoot or they'll have much better shooting numbers. So if you see one of these Horizon League teams or one of these good Summit League teams, you know, like the Wright States or the North Dakota States have a bad game, generally in that next game, they bounce back. Another thing I've noticed is, or at least I've been tracking is, certain teams are better in game two. So let's take North Dakota State. Home, game one, they're kind of so-so. But game two, this team is putting up anywhere from 80 to 85 points for the most part, or at least a floor of 75 so I, that's some other stuff I've noticed. The better teams are adjusting better game too. But overall, you have to look at the who's good in the conference to determine who's going to be better the next game or the worst the next game. But there are some edges I have found. So just overall, you have to pay attention to who's good and who's bad and who's coming off a good game or a bad game. You need to understand why, particularly in the shooting department. 
You know what I'd like to look at, Dan, is where these teams play, you know, kind of like right, they turn right back around, they're playing that team. You know, how did they do in the second half of the first game? And how did they do in the first half of the next game? And there's got to be a trend there somewhere for some teams where, you know, maybe they won that second half by, by 10 or 15 points, and then they go into the next game, and maybe they won, you know, the next game in the first half by, you know, 10 or 15 points. There's got to be a trend there somewhere where we could probably dig in for certain teams and be like, you know, they continue that play. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, a, a, a certain team can make that adjustment and keep that adjustment and, you know, go ahead and maybe we could profit off that uh, some way, shape or form. But, you know, these bookies, are, they're going to be tight on on all these conferences coming up uh, real soon. I would say probably within the next 10 days, you know, they're going to have really, really good numbers for, you know, primarily all these teams. So Dan's going to go ahead. He's going to take Weber State here, minus the one point. Let's jump over to the NBA here. Smooth, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk about an NBA game. Now, currently right now, we don't have a line for this contest, but Smooth thinks that this line is going to come out in that minus five, minus six and a half area. And he's going to go ahead. He's going to look at the Golden State game. Orlando will be on the road here at Golden State. Our projected line right now for this podcast is Golden State minus five, all the way up to maybe six and a half. No total. Uh, for this one, we won't go ahead and project a total. Smooth. I'm glad you picked this game because I would say Golden State is probably one of the teams that I have wagered the most on and that I've given out to my clients because I've just, for some reason, I, you know, I fell in love with, I guess, the lineup for this team where I said that they could actually be be half decent. Like I felt like they could be a good team, and it, it really it came down to when Draymond came back. And for me, that was either going to be this team's going to be okay. They're going to either they might make the playoffs with this particular squad, or if Draymond is nothing like the Draymond we've seen, you know, in years past, then there's a chance that they could miss. And I think you'd probably agree with me that Draymond looks good. You know, he's he's the oil, you know, in this car. He's he's making this engine go. And I like what I'm seeing from Golden State right now. Not necessarily sure what you're considering for this contest, but. Orlando, Golden State, how you feeling about that one? Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Sleepy. Um, <clears throat> Golden State, they obviously got off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, with Steph coming back, pretty much missing all of last year. And Draymond, you know, in and out of last year and at the beginning of this year, you know, not really being in shape with no training camp, no preseason, and missing like the first, you know, a couple weeks or so in those games there. And trying to readjust with no Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, all you know, just everybody's in a, a new situation and a new role, and they had to open up, you know, playing, you know, the Bucks and the Nets. So, you know, they got beat pretty bad. But you know, as the season went on, you know, Steph looks more comfortable, and Draymond, like you said, is rounding into shape, and Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are looking a lot better. With Kelly Oubre, you know, over the last few games, had a career high against Dallas, going for forty. And Andrew Wiggins is averaging 17 points a game for the season. But I'm going to back the Warriors in this situation, too. It's going to be their first game, you know, after a four-game road trip. But And normally, you know, teams are a little bit sluggish, at least for a half, you know, playing their first home game. But, you know, the Warriors, they're in the position to battle for a playoff spot, playing against a Magic team who I think is, you know, one of the worst teams in the league, especially with a lot of guys being out. You know, they can't afford to play around with teams like this and, play around with teams that they should beat. So 
Um, I don't think the Magic will have an answer for, you know, what the Warriors like to do on offense, especially with Steph, you know, playing at a level probably above his, you know, MVP years with him averaging, you know, 29 points, five boards and, and six assists a game. And he's taking 11 threes a game and he's shooting over 40%. I don't think the Magic will be able to handle him or any type of, you know, action or any type of uh, other players like Wiggins or Oubre or even Draymond Green for that matter, you know, with their defense being ranked bottom 10 in defensive rating and, you know, opponent effective field goal percentage. Also with the Magic, I, men- I mentioned their injuries, you know, from, you know, their their lineup that they expected to go into with this season, a lot of key guys that they were counting on, they just banged up. Jonathan Isaac, who was their lottery pick, a lot of people said they reminded he reminded them of Paul George and he was kind of rounding into form before he went down with an injury, you know, in the bubble, you know, he's out. Markel Fultz, he was playing really well. He's out for the year. Also Aaron Gordon and Michael Carter Williams, you know, they're not out for the year, but they're going to miss a lot, you know, significant time. And their second best player, Evan Fournier, you know, he's listed as questionable, you know, with back problems. So he might miss this game as well. And it just might have Nikola Vucevic out there who's really good. But when you don't have a lot of weapons, you know, around you, you know, their Warriors defense can just key in and focus on them and make it a little bit tough for them. You know, this is also a spot where both teams are going to have, you know, one day of rest. And in that spot so far in this situation, the Warriors are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six games. And the Magic, they're 0-5 against the spread in their last five games. And the Magic, they're also 1-6 against the spread their last seven games overall. And they're 2-8 and eight straight up and 3-7 and seven against the spread their last 10 overall. For this spot, you know, I have the Warriors being, you know, double-digit points better, you know, somewhere around 12 to 13 points better in this situation. So when the line comes out, like you said, probably around 5, up to 6.5, maybe up to 8 is when I might think about laying off. You know, I see a lot of value taking Golden State at home. You know, the fact that you and I both kind of like Golden State here and you made a line of five and six and a half, I'm guessing this line is going to come out at seven, seven, seven and a half. They're going to put pressure on us to make a decision, you know, and that's that's the bookie's job is to have us make a decision whether, you know, we want to play on a team or, you know, if they if they put it out at seven and a half, you know, will we take the other side? You know, what what is going to help them, you know, get somewhat, you know, balanced action in this game? Now, I think the issue here for Orlando, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Smooth. If you if you take this Golden State team and let's just say, let's say Clay's healthy, let's say Durant is still on the team, and Draymond, and, and we just we 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 turn the clock back here on Golden State. Are they going to play defense in a game like this? I would say no. No, they're not going to play defense. But I think one of the things that Golden State's done with this roster change, now you don't have Klay Thompson on the floor. You have Wiggins. You have Oubre. You know, you draft Wiseman. Um, you know, he's hurt right now. But it seems like, to me, that Golden State, that they don't have any problem going out right now and actually playing defense for a full game, which, no, I don't think we've seen that for, for quite some time. So, it was that something that you've noticed with Golden State? Because if they come out and they play defense in this game, Orlando's going to be in serious trouble. And I'll, I'll pick up on why I think they'll be in serious trouble. But is that something that you've noticed with Golden State? Is like they've totally picked up their defensive play. Um, you know, I would say, I want to say since the beginning of the season, but I would say probably at least for like the last month. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's funny you mentioned their defense because their defense right now is is ranked top 10 in defensive rating and opponent field goal percentage. And I think that has to do with a lot with the culture in Golden State to where, you know, when they was winning their championships and, you know, deep runs in the playoffs, you know, everybody was, you know, fell in love with their offense, but they also hung their hat on the defensive end. And they didn't really have any, you know, one or two individual defensive stoppers, but they were really great uh, with their team concept, you know, with their defense, you know, rotating and helping the helper and, you know, uh, forcing turnovers and just being disciplined in one spot. And even though a lot of these guys are young and, you know, playing with, you know, Steph and Draymond for the first time, you know, those are the two guys that are, and, and, and Steve Kerr, even though he's not a play, even though he's not playing, he's the coach. You know, those are the three main guys that pretty much, you know, put that system and that culture in place. And you can kind of see a lot of the younger guys and even, you know, guys like Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre getting a lot more comfortable on that end. And, you you know, you see them get a stop and they're running out and, you know, getting easy buckets in transition. So even without, you know, Wiseman and Kevon Looney, without their traditional bigs, they're still, you know, being being really good and being really active on the defensive end. So, like you said, if they're, you know, Warriors like like I expect to because I'm going to be backing them, um, and as you will too, uh, I think um, if they come out and play defense like they've been playing the last month or four or five game stretch, you know, it's going to be really tough for the Magic to find points from somewhere. I certainly think they will play defense in this game because they know if they play defense and they play offense, that they're going to end up beating this team. And these are the games in which the Warriors need to go in and win, you know, to go ahead and continue to, you know, at least maintain that eight seed, but, you know, continuously climb up, you know, in the, in the rankings. But I think that, you know, I think if, if Draymond is pushing the pace on this Orlando team who, you know, they're kind of, they were bred to go slow, um, you know, with Fultz as their, as their point guard, they were moving slow. And then when you have a guy like, I mean, Fournier is a little bit older. I mean, he could shoot, but, no, I mean, you got Vukovic, you got Fournier, you got a guy like Gordon. Like, that's just a team that's not molded together to go ahead and, and run and gun. And if Golden State out there, you know, with Draymond and he's pushing and, you know, you got Ubre coming off of a solid game. So, you know, his confidence is going to be sky high and everybody's confidence within him is going to be sky high for this game. And then you got Steph and then you got Draymond, you know, pushing the pace like this could get out of hand quick. This could just be, you know. Golden State going out there and, and you know, being like a buzzsaw in Orlando. I, I could actually see Orlando in the fourth quarter um, being down so far in this game, potentially that they pull their starters out, um, that this game could potentially get that ugly. And a lot of it is just due to, you know, it's going to take somebody like a Cole Anthony or a Ross off the bench, you know, to go ahead and get hot because, you know, if Vukovic is outside shooting threes and they're not going down, this team's going to fall behind. They're going to fall behind, you know, rather quick. No, one of the things I wanted to bring up, Smooth, and this has nothing really to do with the game, but it does have to do with Golden State. I think that, you know, this is a culture change for them to where now they play defense. And if this can carry over to next year, and let's say this roster carries over to next year, let's insert Clay Thompson into this team. And you're sitting there with, you know, a Clay, a Curry, a Draymond. Uh, you got Ubre, you got Wiggins, you're going to have Wiseman probably, you know, in his second year, probably much more improved. You know, how good is that team next year if they're playing offense, defense, and they get it rolling? Let's just fast forward, let's hit the fast forward button to this time next year. 
I don't think that you would disagree that that Golden State's probably in the top four teams next year at this point if everything goes well and everybody stays healthy and this roster you know is intact. I would have to put them in the top four teams of the West. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I, I agree, Sleepy, because even coming into this year, you know, before Clay's injury, you know, with the roster that they had and everybody coming back and adding, you know, Wiseman to the mix, I thought that they would be a top three to four C team out West, you know, anyway. And, you know, now, you know, they're, you know, they're proving that they can be a playoff team, you know, assuming that there's no, you know, major injuries or anything like that. Um, I expect them to be in the playoffs somewhere between that six and eight spot. But, you know, uh, fast forward to next year this time where they expect the Clay Thompson back, you know, I would have them, you know, right, you know, right back in the mix as a top three to four seed team. And, you know, you get more experience for a guy like Wiseman. I think he gets better, you know, every game that he plays. Um, he reminds me a lot of a, of a, of a, of a Chris Bosch. Um, you know, you'll have, you know, Steph back, you know, he's still in his prime and, doing what he doing what he likes to do and, and you get Clay back and Draymond back, they might add some pieces to the bench or, you know, those guys that they like, you know, would be more experienced too. So um and they can maintain this level of defense. You know, I don't think they'll ever have a problem on the offensive end with the way that they move the ball and the way that they can shoot the ball. So yeah, I think that they would be right right back in the mix with the top three teams out west and, you know, maybe even in the top two, depending on how things go with those two teams. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking the same thing too as you're as you're talking that there's probably no reason that this team's probably not like one, two, three next year. Four might be four might be a little bit of a stretch. They might be hanging around that, you know, four, five, six seed for a while, but I think maybe at this point, you know, if everything goes well on this and I think that this team could they could potentially hang on to all these guys because I don't think any of these guys are gonna be looking for any big contracts, you know, coming in the off season. Uh, you know, where you're talking Ubre or Wiggins or, you know, any of the, any of the other players. And obviously you, you could deal with Clay, you know, if you want to restructure or something like that. Um, I think Golden State could add maybe another piece or a piece or two, you know, to that bench like you had just said. But, yeah, I feel like they're going to be a pretty good team, you know, at this time next year. And they could they could actually be really dangerous. All right, guys, listeners, if you Google Basketball Reference MVP Award Tracker, I'll take you to their website, and this is where I'm pulling these numbers from. So my question to both of you guys is this. One, does Nikola Jokic have any shot of winning the MVP? Right now, the Basketball Reference website gives him about a 30% chance to win. And two, I know we're only a third of the way through the season, but is it pretty much down to LeBron James and Joel Embiid for the MVP award? I'll let Smooth go ahead and answer that one first. Yeah, just just based on the criteria on how they uh, award the MVP for the last five or six years or so, it typically goes to the best player, you know, on the best on the best seeded team, whether they're first or second or something like that, and they have the numbers to match. So, for me, I would say that it's uh, a LeBron James and Joel Embiid uh, race. Uh, maybe somebody like a uh, Kawhi Leonard. It would be like a dark horse pick or something like that. But just looking back at the odds, maybe uh, a month ago or somewhere around that time, LeBron James's odds was about, you know, 850 or 8 to 1 or something like that. And now he's the favorite, you know, in the in the polls and, you know, in the rankings. So um, just with the storyline and how he's played and how he won the championship last year, I think he's, uh, he's you know, he's leading the race and then it's a, 
a small gap in the in the bead, you know, right behind that, right behind that gap. So, um, yeah, I think it's just you know a two man race, you know, for the rest of the season uh, with those two guys. You know, the way I think about it when it comes to LeBron is like, what have you done for me lately? I don't want to say he should have got it last year, but he was in the conversation. I think that that's important that that he was in that conversation. He he could have easily have won the award. But I feel like if he gets slighted this year, and I get it, like, look, Jokic is, you know, he's doing his thing. But if LeBron doesn't get it this year, you know, especially doing what he's been doing, you know, they're winning games without AD on the floor, their best player. I mean, look, look at his age. And I think that, you know, it's it kind of has like that Tom Brady feel. We just experienced a guy who's 43 years old, you know, run through a bunch of teams on the road, go to the Super Bowl, win that game. And then it's like, you know, if LeBron does it, I mean, how could you, you know, how could you not say that he's probably not the MVP of the league? And that's why I said, what, what have you done for me lately to where, you know, I don't think you want, and look, I'm not saying that it's like, oh, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But in a sense, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to piss, you don't want to piss LeBron off to the point to where he's like, you know, all right, I got it. Like I get it, but I want, we won the title last year and we're, we're number one seed again, probably end up with the best record again, maybe. And be like, you know, like, what do I got to do, you know, in order to to win this award? Like, what more do I have to do? And say he doesn't get it. I think, you know, going into next year that we might actually see a different LeBron James when it comes to, you know, doing things for the NBA and, and you know, being that, that stand-up professional guy who's always available for, you know, all that positive stuff that, that he delivers for the NBA. So, I just think that there might be some of that built into the decision when it comes to LeBron because he's so important to the NBA. And, you know, we saw a lot of that with Kobe, you know, in his last couple of years where, you know, he was still very, very important to to the NBA even when he was playing. So I would say I wouldn't give it to Jokic maybe just for that reason and the fact that LeBron more than likely if they go up against Denver, I just, I don't see Denver being able to beat you know, beat LeBron and AD. I don't, I don't, I think Jokic could have the numbers, but I just don't think that they're going to end up, they could get bounced and it could just look bad. So for me, it would be, I go ahead and just, and take LeBron. That That's probably what I would do. Um, but that'll wrap up the pod guys. That'll wrap up the, uh, the NBA for today. Smooth and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to look to go and back golden state uh, for today. I'm guessing smooth as I'm thinking about this, that they're going to put us in a tougher situation that this line might actually come out around seven, seven and a half. And as you had mentioned, maybe stop pulling the trigger at minus eight. I have a feeling that the odds makers are going to put, uh, put us to the test tomorrow to see whether we want to play them or not. But if it does come out at five, six and a half, somewhere in that area, I'll certainly jump on. I'll play them up to around eight. So maybe there'll be a little wiggle room uh, with that. So, That'll wrap up the pod, guys. I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. That's Dan Rivera. Thanks for jumping on the pod for college basketball. You guys can get him at Dan Rivera 228. And Jay Smoove, you guys can find him at Smoove underscore 702. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games. <laughs>